Okay, <clears throat> I can hear myself. Hello, hello. Test, testing, testing. <sighs> All right, here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to This Ability Podcast, where we are on a mission to shift perspective, encourage others, and create community. Hey, welcome to episode number one. My name is Clark Campbell, and I wanted to put out an episode that would explain my background, my story, and the overall inspiration for this podcast. And with that being said, I value your time, so I want to hop right in. I am legally blind, and that's uh, I heard those words earlier, actually in 2020, which has been a it's been a crazy year, and I can easily forget that uh, those words, Clark, you're legally blind, were first echoing in my mind uh, just earlier this year in February of 2020, but that's a major part of my life story, and I wanted to start all the way in the beginning at kindergarten. In kindergarten, I actually failed my uh, eye exam. I I think it's a pretty uh, regular thing that that children in kindergarten uh, go through an, an eye exam, just a kind of basic eye exam, and I actually failed mine. So that uh, we had to go to an eye doctor. So I just went to a regular eye doctor and had the eye test, reading the chart, reading the letters and whatnot, right? And uh, I remember the doctor uh, explaining, hey, there might be a little bit of something here. Uh, we probably need to send Clark to a specialist. I don't want to freak you guys out, but he needs to go see uh, Dr. Tracy over at the Eye Institute. And uh, Dr. Tracy was a world-renowned um, eye doctor that specialized in juvenile eye disease. So I was referred over to him, and I think it was actually before that appointment. You know, there's probably some worry in the house, say, hey, what's going on with Clark's vision? In my memory verse, I came home and told my mom, I was probably looking really good, probably had a suit on, my hair was looking fresh. And I looked at my mom, I said, Mom, listen to what my memory verse was this week. And it was the end of Exodus 15 26, and it said, I am the God that healeth thee. So I told my mom that, and I think that verse um, and that moment, although I don't really remember it, (laughs) has probably been, um, you know, a major point in why I have faith even still to this day, you know, that I'm dealing with this eye disease, but I just trust that God's going to heal me one day, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So we go to this guy's office, Dr. Tracy, and he was so sought after, and he was only in the office a couple of days a week. They had multiple waiting rooms. And I remember being there, and I was honestly one of the older children there because there were so many babies that were in the office. And there were nurses coming around, and they were dilating eyes and getting the kids ready for the appointments, and babies were crying, and it was extremely overwhelming. I I honestly remember that um, even from way back then, just being overwhelmed and just, you know, just all these babies, all these things going on. I'm like, man, what am I, what am I even doing here? So... Uh, we ran through some tests, dilated my eyes, you know, stick your head in this machine, look at these lights, and I the puff of air type of deal when they, you know, do a puff of air at your eye and look at how you're, um, I think that's a like a glaucoma test. Um, honestly, as, as crazy as my vision is and everything, I'm really kind of ignorant to a lot of the stuff. I just haven't put a ton of time into learning all about the ins and outs of my uh, eyes. I just don't have bad eyes, all right? So, going through these tests, and then I remember being in the doctor's chair, 
uh, well, not the doctor's chair. I was the patient, so I guess I'd be in the patient's chair, huh? So I remember being in the patient. Uh, I remember the doctor coming in, and you know, long story short, at that appointment, he looked at my mom and I, and said, "Listen, you know, we think your son has a disease called Stargardt's macular dystrophy, and what that is going to look like in his life is that he'll probably never drive, and he will likely be legally blind by the time he's 20." So let that sit for a second on a mom, you know, looking at a five-year-old son and hearing those words. And my mom is such a hero uh, for keeping a smile and choosing joy and still being a stinking beast to this day uh, and just keeping the faith, right? But I just couldn't imagine hearing those words. And Stargardt's is a disease that affects my uh, center vision. And there's actually been a little bit of a diagnosis change, and I'll explain that here in a moment. But... um, so they said I'd never drive. You know, they told me I'm legally blind. It, it affects my center vision uh, quite a bit. It's a juvenile form of macular degeneration. I was actually doing some research, and macular degeneration um, mostly is in elderly folks, uh, but it affects 11 million people just in the United States alone. So chances are you probably know someone with macular degeneration of some sort. So, um, you know, when I was younger, it didn't really affect me too much. I do have moments, and I remember some things. I remember, because my center vision um, is where the main issue is, I remember at kind of at nighttime reading a clock. If there was a digital clock and I'm trying to read it, I would actually have to look to the left or right of, the, uh, of those digits a little bit in order to be able to see it. So th- that's just like a random thing I remember from back, you know, back in the day. But you know, I, so I ended up getting glasses, right? And I just lived my life. Um, when I was in elementary school, even in middle school, no, no big effect on my, uh, on my day-to-day life. Um, it was there. I noticed it. I think I probably sat pretty close to the TV. Uh, I don't know if that was eye related or not, or just because I liked having the computer chair really close. And then I could put my feet up on the little thing that the TV was in. That's probably, uh, really the main reason I did it. You know, I watch quite a bit of television, okay? Let's be honest. So, you know, I'm I'm 16. I do get my license. Again, I'm able to play sports. I'm, uh, I'm functioning fairly normally at this time. It hasn't had a grand effect on my vision. I do remember, however, a little bit later noticing some vision changes. So, okay, you know, uh, my vision is impaired. It's a little bit difficult to drive. Driving was probably the main area where I noticed it the most, can't leave the house without sunglasses. And these things probably all happened right in my early 20s, 19, 20, 21, in that time frame. Can't leave the house without sunglasses because my, my eyes are so extremely sensitive to light. I often explain it like this. If you've ever had your eyes dilated, it's when they your pupil is expanded and it allows the doctor to see into your eye more. Um, when you leave the office, they often give you some sunglasses because your pupil is so large, it's letting more and more light in and it's like crazy how sensitive. And that's really almost how my eyes are. Maybe not to that effect, but nearly to that effect uh, when I just go outside. If I go outside, go walk to the car or something, I often need to grab my sunglasses just so I can be able to do that. Um, so I started noticing some changes and you know I'm still driving, everything's okay, I'm working, you know, living a normal life. I ended up you know, going to college, I had a really great job. And then I, I left that job, I went to college, I drove all the way to Missouri, 
I drove to Michigan. I interned in Illinois. Um, so, I mean, I'm functioning normally. I, I lived on my own. Everything was fine. Again, there was like nighttime driving was a little tough where uh, it's hard to see the signs or I've got to really rely on my GPS or, you know, whatever it may have been. But that's the time where I started to really notice that um, thing things are happening. I remember, um, I guess when I was 21, I think that's when I would have had to renew my driver's license. I went in and and um, at the Secretary of State or uh, at the DMV or wherever you might go to renew your license, there's often a machine that you you know put your eyes close to and you read the numbers and you get a pass fail and that's if you're good to go, right? Um, so those machines are like they're very basic. And if you have any sort of visual impairment or anything, uh, it's going to be tough for you to pass that test. So I ended up failing, and I'll never forget, uh, God bless the people that work at the Secretary of State. I can't imagine it's a very easy job. Uh, it's, you know, but, you know, they some of them could be a little bit nicer, you know? So this lady, I guess the backup test is like taking a random piece of paper and being like, can you, read, like holding it up by her head a few feet away, and, you know, can you read this? And I'm like, no. So... I remember it sounding like she yelled this, you know, in the midst of all the 300 people that were in the office at the time. Uh, and she's like, you're blind, dude. And I'm like, I'm going to fight you right now, lady. I no, I did not say that. I'm a very nice person. No, but I, I do remember like being super embarrassed. Like, hey, thanks so much, ma'am. You know, God bless you. Have a great day. Here's a church card. Come to church. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Right. No, but uh, she said that and basically she gave me a slip so I could cut in front of the line, but I had to go to a regular eye doctor and, and basically they had to give me the passing grade. So I go to the eye doctor and I actually had a vision uh, with my glasses of about 40-20 when I was 21, about 40-20 and the legal limit in Michigan is 60-20, I think, forgive me. Uh, it's like right in that range, 40 or 60, I think it's actually 40. Like I think I was right there that I'm okay to drive. So I got my license and again, life Life was fairly normal. Driving was hard. I didn't play sports as much. Um, I noticed the ball was very hard to see. Whether you know, if we're playing football, playing catch is hard. Um, matter of fact, this gives me a little. Uh, this is out of man. I this is crazy that I'm remembering this right now. This is out of order. But I remember being younger, playing catch with my dad. He and I, you know, we just play um, play football, play catch, and I remember just we were throwing a softball around. And I noticed, man, like, hey, can you throw me some ground balls? You know, throw it on the ground instead so I can try to field them that way because it's kind of hard to see the ball sometimes. And I was probably, man, I was probably like 12 to 14-ish at that time. So that's like just another example of, of where it was affecting my life. So now let's fast forward a few years. I go to college. I'm just living my life. So I marry the girl of my dreams, Selena Campbell, at the time, her last name was Dumber. Yes, you heard me correctly. God bless her. She owned it. Uh, Selena Dumber was her name. And I said, girl, you looking mm -mm good. Let me change your last name to Campbell. And if you think I'm kidding, um, I'm not. I actually got down on one knee and I said, first of all, I said, will you, I, I said, you should marry me, which I'm what? Like, why would I, you should marry me. And I said, well, wait, girl, you look, you know, did the little mm, good thing. And then maybe I asked her a third time, like, will you marry me normally? And of course, she was like elated. She was like, oh my gosh, yes, you're amazing. One of the greatest humans I've ever met in my life. You, Clark, you're incredible. Like, I'd be crazy not to marry you. That's not what she said. Uh, it was similar, probably, in my mind at least. But 
no, I'm just kidding. But uh, we, I met Selena at school when I was in Missouri. We got married. She is the greatest thing that has ever happened to me. Uh, I couldn't ask for a more graceful person uh, to go through this journey with me. When we got married, my eyes weren't as bad as they are now. Um, and she has been so graceful and so helpful because I have to rely on her so much now. And my goodness, she's the best. But just fast forwarding, you know, we buy a house. We're in Michigan. We're, I'm, I'm working. Things are, are, you know, fairly standard and everything's normal. And I remember the job at the time, the job I had, it was very strenuous on my eyes. I had to, um, if you've ever seen my phone or my computers or things, everything's black and white, black background, white text. I need to be able to control environments, control my phone, what it looks like. I have to zoom in the text size. I have to do this on all my devices. If you were just to hand me a computer, a PC, a Mac, whatever it might be, and if it was just a regular kind of white background, right, black letters, and if you were like, hey, go to Google Chrome and like navigate to this website, I could probably do it, but it would take me a while. It's really hard to see that mouse and follow it on screen and get to the right spot and click. It's very, very, very difficult. So when I work, when whenever I do things on the computer, uh, any job I've had um, where my eyes have reached that point where I really have to focus on things, um, you know, focus on, on those environments of the black background, everything's got to be tailored to what I need it to be. But this job I had was very strenuous because there was PDFs that I had to look at all day, basically. And those weren't, they, they uh, I could probably do it, but it, it would, it took time to like, for the computer to recognize it and, and invert it and whatnot. It was very difficult. Um, so I, I had, it was just so strenuous. I had to look at these small numbers on a PDF and then put them in a sheet and yada, yada. And using these programs, long story short, it was very, very difficult for me to see. Um, and then obviously driving was hard. When it became winter and the days were shorter, I would be driving home when, you know, the sun is setting. And I'm, I mean, it was brutal um, where I'm trying to see, okay, is that a red light? Is that a green light? You might be listening like, oh my gosh, dear God, he probably shouldn't have been driving. And uh, the answer is, yeah, probably, uh, probably not at that point. Um, but just like Sister Underwood once said, Jesus took the wheel. Can I get an amen? So March 2018, I was actually in a car accident. It was right near my house, and there was some road work. There was some construction being done, and it was early in the morning, so it was dark out, um, which honestly, I I preferred to drive at night just because the sun wasn't such a factor. And I was focusing on the, the lane markers and the cones, trying to make sure I didn't hit the cones or didn't go out of my lane, and I hadn't realized that traffic had backed up. So... I rear-ended the car in front of me. I was going probably 35. I had just left the neighborhood, so I wasn't going too fast, but rear-ended the car in front of me, totaled my car. Um, everyone was okay. I was fine. Uh, driver in front of me was totally fine, but my beautiful car, my 2009 Ford Focus Coupe SES. And you guys are like, bro, it was a Focus. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but it was mine, all right? I loved that stinking car. You know, it was two doors, okay? It wasn't four doors. I wasn't driving no sedan, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was a two-door car. I painted the rims black. I put uh, all-new Infinity speakers in there. I put, I had some subs in the back. It was a sweet car, all right? It was an awesome car, but she is no longer with my family, so very hurt. But ever since then, March 2018, I have not driven a vehicle. I think maybe once or twice, like, I've moved the car in the driveway, like, moved it back, moved it front, but... um. 
I was just thinking about this. I have a two-year-old. Uh, I'll talk more about my babies here in a second, but I've got a daughter born. Uh, she was born in May of 2018, and uh, I've never driven her anywhere, and that's like a crazy thing to think about. Um, so I stopped driving at that point. So obviously that was a big factor with work as well. I can't drive to work. I would rely on my wife to drop me off, pick me up. And she's, you know, she's pregnant at this time. And it was such a stress and it was very overwhelming. And I'm like, man, like this is just a crazy taxing thing, uh, in my life. So fast forward some more, we're looking at the end of 2019, early 2020. I was actually in the process of getting a new job. And it was going to be something that was work from home. It wasn't going to pay me nearly as much as my previous job, but I just had to do something from home where I can control the environment. I can uh, have the lighting how I need to, and I don't have to rely on my wife driving me and picking me up. Although she would, she's more than happy to do it. I, I, there's every time I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel so bad. She's like, I don't care. Like I can drive you. It's no problem. Cause again, she is amazing. So I, I'm going through training and then during the training, I'm learning more and more about the job and I'm realizing it's simply not compatible with my vision. The level of vision that I had, it just couldn't do the job. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, what am I going to do? So then I'm like, I, I've got to, I've got to do something. I need to focus on my eyes. I need to see if I can do anything. Is there anything, anything anybody can do to like help my eyes, any tools, any gadgets, anything at all. So the first step was to actually go to the University of Michigan earlier this year. They have an incredible eye institute there. And uh, I have a, a cousin who's dealing with some eye issues. And they wanted me to go there anyway because they're just to see if there's any genetic ties. So we go there. And during this time, actually, I started to develop my pupils would shake left and right. Super, super annoying. Not only do I have terrible center vision, but now... When I'm looking at something, objects are shaking left and right. And I didn't know what it was until I did a little bit of my research and then they diagnosed me at U of M, but I have a thing called a nystagmus. My pupils shake left and right. And um, so when I'm looking at an object, exactly that. It shakes left and right, which makes things that much more difficult. Watching TV, one, I have to be like super close. And then two, everything's shaking back and forth. In order for me to read, as a matter of fact, reading anything, text on my phone, um, a, I can't read books, I can't read paperbacks, It's that's impossible because it's not the black background white letters. But when I'm trying to read something, in order for the nystagmus to stop, I have to turn my head at about a 45 degree angle to the right and really use my left eye. Uh, it's called the end of my gaze, right? So when I'm, I have to turn my head over to the right but look forward to my left eye, that's when text will stop shaking or an object I'm looking at will stop shaking. And then I can actually read or look at that without my eyes shaking back and forth. So I'm at the U of M, University of Michigan, and I, I actually did some testing that I had done when I was younger. And they actually, so they confirm I have this thing called nystagmus, nothing we can do about it. Cool. Yay. That's great news. And then they actually changed my diagnosis from Stargardt's to something they call now that I have cone rod dystrophy. And Without boring you, I just have bad eyes, okay? I'm not going to go through the whole rigmarole, but it is interesting because cone rod dystrophy often can lead to something like a nystagmus. So I'm sure they hit the nail on the head with switching the diagnosis from Stargardt's macular dystrophy to cone rod dystrophy, but still very, very similar. Um, I have some uh, blind spots in my peripheral vision, and my center vision is uh, pretty poor. 
But the most important part of going to the University of Michigan was actually the, the genetic testing. So I spit in a tube, they send out uh, that tube to a company that does some genetic testing, and I get a call from the genetic counselor. And uh, basically, this was going to tell me if it was going to affect my children. I have two beautiful baby girls, Ivy and Thea, one of which is two and a half, a little bit more than two and a half, and the other is right about nine months old. So I've got these two beautiful babies, and I just wanted to hear, hey, they're going to be okay. And that is, in fact, what happened. She called, talked about the PROM1 gene, which is the mutated gene in my eyes, and that's what's causing this issue. And my wife can go into all the gene stuff. She's really smart with all of that. So she's really smart in general. Um, but she she can explain the whole chromosomes and yada, yada, yada. But basically, I've got a mutated gene which caused this disease. And she said something amazing, and she said, this will not affect your children. And I was like, let's go. That is the greatest news I've, I've heard. Uh, the chance of it affecting them is extremely, extremely small. That was a miracle. That was such an incredible thing to find out at that time. So after that appointment, I'm just not satisfied. You know, that was kind of just a checkup. They confirmed some things, but it's not like they were like, hey, there's this new treatment or, hey, we can give you these special glasses that are just going to give you new eyes. You know, it wasn't anything like that. So I actually went to a low vision doctor. I wanted to see a specialist that dealt with people with low vision. And that was was really a miracle, finding this person um, at, at, at Royal Oak Beaumont. I went to see her. And we did some testing, and really, we try to focus on the nystagmus, and we try to slow it down. Oftentimes, contacts can uh, slow a nystagmus down. So we tried soft contacts, didn't work. Hard contacts, didn't work. We put all these magnifiers on my glasses. They showed me all these devices and these things that were going to help me see. And honestly, um, you know, the, they were like these projector things. Like, you put the piece of paper in it, and it makes it all gigantic font. But it's almost useless for me because the problem isn't just being, you know, I don't just need like the font gigantic on something. I also need it to stop shaking. So that that was like the crux of it all. Sure, you can make something black and white or extremely large font within a stagmus. It's still just like, man, I, I, I can't read it still. It was very difficult. So it was at this appointment that the doctor looked at me for the first time since Dr. Tracy's office when I was in kindergarten. She looked at me and said, Clark, you are legally blind. And that was the first time I really had to come to grips with the reality of the situation, that I am legally blind. And what that means is I my eyes with glasses are at 2200. I don't even know what they are without glasses. But my, with glasses, the greatest correction I can get is 2200, which to put that into context... Uh, it means from 20 feet away, I can read 200 font, which when you go to the, you, you go for an eye exam, that top letter E mo, on most tests, that's 200 font. So that's the only letter I can read on the chart is that big E. Uh, the next line, I can like make some guesses, but it's still at the point where I'm legally blind. She explained, hey, you should probably reach out to the Michigan Bureau of the Blind or something like that. And she said, you might need to learn Braille. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. You know, when I heard these things earlier in the year, I was only 27. I'm in my prime. I've got uh, a beautiful wife and two beautiful babies. And I want I want great things for my life. And that was such a hard pill to swallow. But hey, just the reality of the situation. So it was actually that diagnosis 
that spurred my need to actually apply for disability. I am extremely limited on what I can actually do, not just in my day-to-day life, but for a job. Uh, The requirements of jobs and the needs that I have to accomplish things often just do not line up. Meaning, um, if I got a job moving boxes at a warehouse, okay, Um, if the lighting isn't perfect, or if there's any numbers involved, any barcodes, or take it to aisle number seven, or whatever it might be, very, very difficult, okay? Like, that's basically not something I can really do. If the job requires me to work on the computer in a way um, that, like, if there's a a specific program that I would have to use that can't be inverted or you have to have, a, you have to use a PC or whatever it is, very difficult. Um, if it's on the internet, or if, excuse me, if it's on like a web browser, oftentimes I can maneuver through that because I can invert it or, you know, zoom in, things like that. But at the end of the day, all of these things combined really put me in a place of, man, there's not much I can actually do. And I do believe it's temporary, but I went ahead and we applied for disability. And that's really, really another long story. And honestly, part of the reason I wanted to start this, I'd like there to be some sort of community potentially birthed out of this podcast that we can talk because it was such a long and strenuous um, deal going through applying for social security. I had all these questions I didn't know um, and it took forever and it was such a painful deal. Uh, But finally, and you know, that's, I'm extremely thankful, um, you know, that I had enough work credits and all of that good stuff. And, and right now that's, that's the life we're living. And again, I do believe it, it's temporary. And I think one, uh, I think God could open doors that um, he, he might not heal me, but there will be something I can do for a job that'll pay me more than what disability pays me. And that'll be amazing. Or God will heal my eyes. And I have faith and I believe that he'll do that. And that all culminates to the reason I started this podcast. I often hear that I'm a pretty positive guy or I'm pretty joyful in the midst of everything. And that is because I just believe that God is going to get glory out of my story. And I believe that there's a point to all of this. And if it's dealing with an unanswered prayer for 23 years and it's putting a smile on in in the midst of it all, then that's going to be the story that I'm, I'm living out then that's going to be the actions that I take right now. I just don't understand why I would have a test to go through if there wasn't a testimony to come come out of it, right? I've invited people to go on this journey with me. I've been more and more vulnerable with explaining my eye condition. You have to understand, this is something that's very embarrassing for me. And you might be listening to this and be like, oh man, don't be embarrassed. But I mean, live a day in my shoes and understand the things I want to accomplish and the gifts and talents and I think things that God has given me. But just the inability to drive or the inability to see something uh, that can wear on you. So over time, I do have those moments where I'm like, oh my gosh, this is awful. You know, it's hard to see uh, the toothpaste going on the tube, or excuse me, it's hard to see when I, if I'm putting the right amount of toothpaste on my toothbrush, okay? So I have to lean in real close. I have to do that. Um, you know, I was sitting about four feet from my wife today on the couch, and it was kind of dark, you know, and her face was blurry to me. Um, I can't, again, I can't drive. 
even just going to my mailbox outside, I've got to put my sunglasses on and I've got to make sure the environments are right. I've got to make sure all my screens are nice and zoomed in. I mean, life isn't super easy for me, but my goodness, I am so incredibly blessed nonetheless. I have two beautiful, healthy babies. I have a beautiful and amazing wife. Somehow we've gotten through an incredible, an incredibly difficult financial season in our lives. God has gotten us through it. And um, I've just decided to choose joy. I've decided to be an encourager even when things haven't gone my way where I'm like, man, I'm going to be an encourager because my life's great. No, life's tough. But I just think God has given me a mission of putting a smile on and trying to encourage people. So one of those days that I'm, I'm having a bit of a pity party, I remember sitting on the couch, I was in my basement, and I'm like, dude, I can't do anything. I've really struggled to even use the words disability or disabled because I'm not even like ready to be there. But the reality of the situation is I am legally blind and I, I am disabled. I have a disability that I have to deal with. And I was sitting on the couch so frustrated, like I don't even know what caused it, but I'm like, man, what am, what am I supposed to do? And it was like in that moment, I feel like God convicted me and he said, stop focusing on the disability. Okay, stop focusing on the disability and focus on this ability. And that was the moment. And that's why this is called Disability Podcast. And I started to wrestle with those thoughts. Let's stop focusing on our disabilities and focus on the abilities that we do have. Okay, so like me, I can't see, I can't drive. Things are are really hard in my day to day. But you know what? I believe that God has given me a gift to talk. I can exhort. I can speak to people. I enjoy it. It's something that comes pretty naturally to me. So, hey, let me leverage that ability instead of just focusing on everything I cannot do. So I began to think, man, I want to have conversations with people who may be similar to me or going through something. And it's like, man, how did you learn to not focus on the disability, but focus on the abilities that you do have? So I started making some calls, talking to my wife, trying to wrestle, hey, is this a good idea? This ability podcast, here's what I want it to do. And I came up with the three things that I want this podcast to accomplish. I want this podcast to shift perspective, encourage others, and create community. I think if we would begin to look at our situations differently, if we would begin to shift our perspective and realize, one, you might not have it as bad as other people, or two, Maybe there's abilities that you need to focus on instead of focusing on all the things that are unfair or all the things that are stacked against you. And then I just think that I just want to encourage people. There are are amazing, successful people that have dealt with disabilities or disadvantages in their lives and they've created something or um, they've started a company or not even that. They're moms and dads and they're people that aren't just going to sit in their house and be frustrated with the world. So I wanted to begin to seek people out to have conversations with them. And I think in this podcast, I'd like to just put out some of my own content. You might just hear messages with just me inside with some encouraging thoughts or whatever it might be. Hey, I'm new to this whole podcast thing and I'm just looking forward to where this could go. Oftentimes with an idea, you might be like me and we just kind of sit on it or we don't actually think it's great or whatever it might be. But I heard this quote It was a, you know, I I heard it from a third party. I heard it on a podcast, someone quoting Daniel Pink. And the quote was essentially, if you have an idea, 
or something that could add value to people's life, you have a moral obligation to see it through. And I heard that and I was like, okay, well, now I'm stuck. Okay, I've got to make this happen. So without having a podcasting microphone, without having a pop filter, uh, (laughs) without being ready at all, I remembered a company called Two Blind Brothers that I had found because they are two guys that started a clothing brand, an amazing clothing company, with and, and they have star guards. They have star guards macular dystrophy, which is what I was previously diagnosed with. So I had heard of them. I was like, man, I'm just gonna shoot an email. So I stinking I emailed just like the contact us page on the website. So it just went to their customer service and they're probably getting like, hey, I need to return this or hey, should I get a medium or small? And I was like, hey, I've got this idea for a podcast. I would love to interview Brad and Brian Manning. I get an email back and I was like so scared to read it because I'm like, one, I'm not ready. And then the other side of it was like, man, if they don't get back to me, who cares? I'm just not going to, you know, it's a bad idea. I'm not going to do the podcast, whatever. But they email me and they're like, hey, how does Tuesday sound? And I'm like, oh my gosh, Uh, (laughs) it sounds terrible. Uh, But uh, I was like, yeah, sounds great. You know, so I accepted it. But then, you know, I'm like, okay, now I'm scrambling. I got to get the microphone. I got to get the stuff. I got to make this work. And uh, I ended up going to Best Buy because Amazon wasn't going to have the microphone to me in time. Uh, you know, who even goes to Best Buy anymore, but I go to Best Buy, buy a microphone, I'm doing all this testing and making sure this works. And I ended up interviewing Brad Manning from Two Blind Brothers. So that's going to be the first episode you'll hear is a conversation with a blind guy who started an amazing clothing company. And we talk about business. Uh, We talk about how he's, how he encourages himself. We talked about his family and the impact uh, uh, of his family um, on his eyes and how he grew up. We talk about the psychology behind a diagnosis And it is such an incredible conversation that I think you're going to love. As a matter of fact, um, you really want to listen to this just to add a little bit of legitimacy to what Brad and Brian's uh, mission is. They were on Ellen DeGeneres. Uh, They did a TED Talk. I mean, these are legitimate people. They're not just like just a random guy down the street that I met, Uh, but they are, you know, very, very legit people that are dealing with an issue that I wanted to have a conversation with. So I, I would love for you to subscribe to this podcast and go on this journey with me. Who knows where this is going to go? I'd love to hear from you, hear your feedback. You're going to have all the information in the show notes and everything like that. Thank you so much.